decoded. Welcome to Founder Tech Decoded. I wanted to talk to Martin because I think both he and I share a similar ethos around the founder space um, about how it could run, how it should run, um, and we sort of can see the problems in the same way and are motivated, I think, to try and solve them similarly. So I wanted to try and use this um, the conversational wireframes that Founder Tech Decoded will be using, where we'll move through the source code, um, the underlying assumptions, whatever Martin wants to explore, and we'll dig into that. And then the bugs, like, so what's actually going wrong with those underlying assumptions? Then what's starting to be variable, the shifts and different functions that are changing? And then different scripts um, that are different kind of possibilities, um, people that are um, then kind of programming uh, different rules, um, um, de you know, in, in decoding what has currently existed and, and, and looking to the future. And then product placement, um, what Martin's doing in more detail, how you can obviously connect to him and engage with him. And then any APIs, anything on his radar that is cool that he'd, he'd like people to be aware of or to be able to plug into. So. Um, Martin, welcome to Founder Tech Decoded. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, and do you want to just do a little intro to yourself? You can do a product placement right at the end, and we'll obviously put notes in the uh, in the show notes. But yeah, do you want to introduce who you are and uh, how we met, and um, you know what your interest is in this before we get into it? Absolutely, Dan. Thank you. And that was a great intro. Really nice. I love listening to people introduce me because it shows how effective my pitch is or isn't. So that, that was that was really good. Um, so yeah, I'm Martin. I'm a crocodile wrestler. And this is what it feels like being the father of twins. And when I'm not wrestling crocodiles, I'm a pitch coach. And my real focus is making sure that you have the attention of your audience before you tell them what you really do. And so I work with a huge wide spectrum of founders um, at different levels of experience. And my real value add to them is not on their business plan. It's not on their sort of go to market strategy, any of the sort of classic 12 slides that you'll get in a pitch deck template. But I'm all about the stories they're sharing and how they're sharing them. So you might have some really smart people with some fantastic ideas, but they're very uh, they lack confidence in the spotlight. And I really help founders embrace what I call high value spotlight moments, which is when they are in front of an audience that can make a difference. And that might be 30 seconds at a networking event or 10 minutes on a stage. And when did you get into this uh, murky business of, of, of trying to help founders in this way? <laughs> I got into it from the murkiest of the murk. I used to be in um, advertising and advertising creative director. And I worked in Beijing, China for, I lived in China for 16 years. I worked in advertising for eight. And long story short is I just saw loads of advertising presentations and pitches go really badly. And I realized that it wasn't through a lack of ability. It was just through a lack of process and, and priorities. And so through my sort of boot camp training and advertising, I got into the startup space in China, started mentoring a lot of um startups on accelerator programs and again i wouldn't come in necessarily and talk about their business from a sort of nuts and bolts perspective it was more like how do you stand in front of your audience and be intentional be confident have good posture 
and all of those sort of soft skills that go alongside the business aspect, which is super important because it's it's a mindset game. It, it's a bit like a, a top athlete can have an off season because they they lose confidence after missing a penalty at the World Cup or something like that. People can lose confidence very quickly, and then that's like a house of cards on their whole overall startup. And in terms of, I mean, as, as you've just said, I think you've seen I mean, lots of people in the space see a lot of founders. You can be an investor and see, you know, hundreds of pitch decks over a month, uh, sometimes a week, you know, or you're reviewing an event um, to kind of like schedule talent, founder talent to present. But I think the interesting thing, as you've described, is that you're seeing founders and evaluating founders in that moment where they, as you said, the spotlight moment where they have to present and have to elevate and have to communicate, where essentially you've got that fusion of the human and the medium by which they're trying to connect and the audience. And there's so much in that that isn't done well, um, both from the founder's understanding, but there's so much in the kind of interface of that that still isn't really understood, right? And still really isn't um, made elegant. And a lot of your job is kind of like zooming into that moment and making that elegant, which is why I th think this is a really good place to start the conversation. But would you kind of uh, agree with that? And why do you think if we start, if we so if we start that as the source code, as a, as, a, as, a, as a fundamental assumption of this conversation, why do you think when you zoom in, where the hu human founder has to kind of interface with the opportunity or the medium or the 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 effect that they're trying to generate, why do you think that's done so poorly still? If you do. I think it's it's confidence and it's practice. And so a, found, a founder has so many things they have to think about. And I often imagine that they look at their life through this amazingly complex spreadsheet that just goes on left and right for miles because they have to think about customer, tech, develop, IP, media, agreements, partnerships. And they're having so many conversations every day. And pitching is just one tiny column sandwiched amongst all the other columns of all the other things they have to really focus on. And so, again, it gets a fraction of their attention and effort and energy because it's one of so many things. And people sort of, they kind of think, I can wing it. It will be all right on the night. I'll show up and it will fall into place magically. And then there's also that Jerry Seinfeld joke that is floating around all the time about how people f fear public speaking more than death mm. or something like that, um, which, kind, which kind of I really don't like. I think it's really stupid. It's a joke. It's and then it gets used in, in lots of sort of startup context contexts. But people will and I call them banana skins. It's when somebody slips and wobbles when they don't have to because they didn't notice the banana skin on the floor. And they didn't focus enough on making the pitch practice a priority to see the banana skins in advance and sweep them out of the way. And so, for example, obviously during COVID, everything shifted online. So we're all on Zooms. Everybody kind of knows that. And so when you're pitching on Zoom, it's an amazingly hyper window of which to evaluate somebody because they're literally in the spotlight of their own Zoom window. And they're staring into a device. There's no interaction with the audience. There's no eye contact. There's no atmosphere. They have to create all of that on their own. And then you start to see the flaws of their pitch performance under a magnifying glass. You can see that they're looking up at the 
light bulb trying to remember what to say. They're reading a script off on the left. They're not using their hands. They're sat behind a desk in the same posture that they write emails in. And th- th- there's all these things that you that you learn by doing and there's not enough doing, so there's not enough learning is, is sort of my main observation. Would you say, if you think about the founders that are celebrated and there is always huge amounts of bias and kind of retrofitting of these use cases. But if we think about the obvious people, you know, there's always this kind of cast of characters. It's because they can tell a story, right, better than anyone else. And they can get people to buy into that story, which is the underlying, I mean, Propelia's business for a decade has been looking at founder journeys and founder stories, um, because essentially that's all that you've got, right? Is you're telling a story about the future and why your, your version of the future is correct and compelling and uh, worthy of attention and investment in the face of enormous obstacles and risk. So what you're talking about, if we're talking about sort of the, the, the source code here is essentially how the founder is able to tell that story when it matters. Again, I'd like to, without drilling into specific examples, I guess there's a degree of kind of client confidentiality here. What do you think are the main um, kind of bugs in that when founders try and tell their stories and what do you think those bugs are also on the investor side who perhaps aren't able to listen or frame or understand or evaluate those stories so quite a big question to unpack but i think i think you get my drift absolutely i mean it is it's it's almost it's it's definitely a cliche now like tell a story be a storyteller and and actually um have you got have you watched um the you know how Hollywood is basically dramatizing a lot of startup stories yeah. at the moment? Um, and there's the dropout, yeah. which is the Theranos story. Yeah. We crashed. Have you yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of, actually, when I, when I was asking the question exact, exactly to that point. So, yeah, go, go on. It's like, yeah, I think that's yeah. And I, I, I've got a LinkedIn post about this queued up for later in the week. So this is really good timing. So um, did you used to watch the A-Team as a kid? Yeah. Exactly. So the A team, the sort of get out of the shed montage where, you know, the A team is building something to kind of surprise the baddies or whatever it is. So there's that sort of montage and the, and the montage clip, the training montage in Rocky movies or whatever. So these these Hollywood dramatizations of unicorn stories, they always have the pitching montage. I love it. it it's like this hyper, hyper focused view of pitching and it's often like a lot of speaking heads of people going no 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 people rejecting the pitch and then somebody finally saying yes and the sort of whole emotional journey that the the, the founder goes through and I, I bring this up because it is that like hollywood tells stories so well and founders need to embrace that storytelling and kind of let go of everything which is tbu and tbu is true but useless um, because there is so much in a startup journey, which is technically true, but has no use in a pitch. Yet founders feel that because they built it, created it, witnessed it, solved it, fixed it, it's important. But for the investor, it's not necessarily. Not in the pitch. It might be important later on in due diligence or over a dinner where you're really building rapport and trust. It might be really good then, but in the opening pitch, it's like, I need to... This is a Marvel teaser trailer for a new movie. It has got to be quick. It's got to be fast. It's got to be exciting. And it should leave more questions than it answers because that becomes the fuel for your next conversation. And again, 
when you, if you Google investor questions, there's a list on Forbes or something like that. It's like 100 investor questions and it's 10 categories with 10 questions each. And you're never going to answer all of those in a pitch. And it's not about answering them, but it's about proving that you're the person with the skill sets to get it all done come hell or high water. And, and I think that people dig into the details too much too soon because they know it's important, yet the investors are addressing or assessing a pitch on different criteria. And they need, they need like a, a tasting session of each of the key points, not the whole meal. So where, where I think there's actually sort of these, there's, there's a the variable occurring here is that the, what you've been describing has always been put on the back of the founders as it's their responsibility. And of, and of course, like anything, you know, if you if you're going to show up, show up, right, and do everything you can to show okay. up. But I think where there might there's an, there's a variable is that investors are starting to realise that perhaps they aren't listening, are capable of listening to founder stories in the right way. That perhaps like the unicorn founder, the Hollywood founder, is perhaps no longer as relevant, and perhaps the actually extraordinary people because there's less and less kind of B2B, SaaS, e-commerce marketplace things just drifting around in pitch decks. It just isn't the, isn't the, the variance and the quality. But actually, the, 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 way that, the way that you, you, know, you gain advantage is by hearing, identifying exceptional people and backing them in a different way. Do you agree that that's a variable in something that's starting to evolve in the kind of the minds of the, the investor, which is also kind of changing the equation of what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I think so, because, you know, watching the dramatizations of, say, the Theranos story on the dropout TV show on Disney Plus, um, she basically just mimicked yeah. Steve Jobs and just said, we're going to change the world. We're going to disrupt. We're going to she just dropped buzzwords. And that in that context, from her as an individual with her gender and her location and her timing, it it was believable yet it was all smoke and mirrors. And then with Adam Newman from um, you know, WeWork, he could get on stage and really rouse the crowd. But again, it was like his, if you had multiple assessments of a founder, you know, get the crowd excited, 15 out of 10. Manage the money, one mm. out of 10. So, and like, it's, the, the, the sort of charlatans and the frauds and the, the sort of fake it before you make it people have been exposed at such massive cost that I think, you know, it's time for a new narrative in terms of, yes, you have to excite, yes, you have to inspire, but it's not, you're not, you're not a WWF wrestler who has to sort of, you know, you're not in the center of the ring surrounded by the mob. You have to, be credible and authentic and knowledgeable and you have to sell which is is the sort of tricky balance but i think like with tech being such a, a sort of huge frontier in so many different verticals like you need to know what you're talking about you don't necessarily need to be punching the keys but you need to know how the jigsaw pieces fit together and you have to sell that vision um and and for example i'm working with a founder at the moment who is so excited about what he's doing and can go down so many rabbit holes so fast that he's my job is to help pull him out of the rabbit holes and simplify it and let and give him the 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 sort of 
showmanship without the um, without without being a, um, a fraud, and let his his passion and his tech his, like his ability to talk tech and his ability to talk passion are very high, and they need to be sort of merged. And he's he's an amazing founder, really inspiring. Our two our two hour phone calls go past in like twenty minutes, and I've got endless amounts of notes. And he's like, I need you to help me put this storm, this lightning in a bottle so I can start to share it consistently at the right tempo, at the right speed to the right audience. And it, it, it is a big job for the founder and they often need support because, you know, just like Serena Williams has a coach on the sideline. She's the tennis player, but she needs the coach. And, you know, a lot of startup founders need that that voice that's not on the tennis court that's on the side. So without, again, naming, uh, naming your source, um, I think there is something that founders need to get their heads around, which is because if you deflate the sort of the Adam Newman's and, and, and the, the Elizabeth Holmes, and, and if we are reaching the end of that, which I do think we are, I think the, the usefulness of those kind of market makers um, that are kind of these hero driven mythic narratives is coming to an end i actually think the founder has to sort of calibrate their ego slightly in a different place and actually say that um i heard this podcast the other day they were talking about um you know base camp um the the, the founder of base camp was uh was talking about how he had to get the people in the organization to realize that if they were coming into work each day and solving a really important problem that had to be enough like there wasn't, there didn't need to be another added layer of meaning. That was enough, right? And actually, startups are their function is to solve really valuable problems in you know new ways, in vibrant ways, and that should be enough. And I think some the founders have got this myth into their head and this narrative into their head. They've got to be grandiose and verbose and you know and, and inflated. Where actually, it, this is a question. But I I believe this to be true. That actually, the new breed of founders are much more measured it's not that they're less ambitious but they actually understand the parameters of the problem that they're trying to solve and that's enough and actually again you know really smart investors realize that that's enough that that person is immensely valuable who can navigate their way through what i call like a localized emergent problem that's that's a super valuable person it doesn't have to mean that they are you know running festivals where they're saying you know spouting sort of uh hyperbole and, and, and the future of everything. Do you know, see what I mean? So I think that calibration is actually quite strange for some founders because for over a decade, they've been told, no, 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 you got to think like a rock star. You're a rock, you know, it's, I'd be interested if you believe that or you'd want to push back against that. No, no. I mean, I think the, the notion of kind of building cults around your startup is, is sort of wearing out and getting threadbare for sure because... Again, there have been so many um, massive cult-like organizations that then just sort of fall apart in six weeks or something like that. Um, I think the base camp, the base camp uh, founder, uh, Jason yeah, Fried, yeah, I think I think, his yeah. name is, is he? He is really uh, one to listen to because, like, he's been he's been at yeah, it for years. decades. Yeah, yeah, he can't like base camp was so yeah. ahead of its time. And the books that he's read, uh, the books he's written, apologies, the books he's written. And then also, I listened into a podcast with him and another amazing um, person, uh, Josh Braun. And they were talking about sales, because obviously, being a founder is a massive part about sales. And 
the example I want to bring in is that when um, Jason's doing a preview of Basecamp and he's demoing it to prospective um, customers, he, he's reduced it to one question. And he starts off by saying, what's hard about what you do? And then he unpacked this and, and it's not there's not enough time on this show to talk about it, but the simplicity of that question, what is hard? It's like three words. And from that, you've got the the beginnings of so many deep and, and, and important conversations where people will tell you not what their role is, not what their position is, not what their salary, you know, not what they're supposed to do, but what's hard about what they actually do. And I think returning it to a simplicity sort of like forget the fireworks forget the branded mugs forget the motivational wall posters get down to what's hard why people need it and why you're really good at solving it and then that is how a founder can start having really good pitches and ultimately good conversations and I often say that your pitch is a filter it's not just a filter for the investors it's a filter for you are you aligning with the right investors? Are you aligning aligning with the right co-founders, teammates, first hires, media, uh, customers? So it's the founder has an opportunity through the way that they communicate to start filtering as much what's coming towards them as much as who they're trying to get in front of. So what what would be some scripts, some new story? I mean, Jason's is, is definitely one. Are there any other kind of scripts that you've heard and stories that you've heard that are embodying this where you think wow that's amazing that's really that's this kind of this kind of new phase of of being a founder that we're talking about is calibrated differently do you have any other stories um before we get onto pitch club and and, you know what why you how you tackled this space and are tackling this space do you have any other stories like jason's that would be interesting to share i'm trying to think now there was one it's on the tip tip of my tongue but it escapes me right now it's like this yeah, it's the ridiculously simple. It's almost so simple that you overlook it. But it's like, you know, I just love that simplicity of what is hard. And yeah, no, I, I'm, I've got a complete brain so, freeze on what it would be. To, but just to stay, let's just stay on the what, it, what is hard for, for a minute or so. So what's interesting about that and why I hear you saying is that there's a, there's, there's a, a discipline, you know, simplicity is complex is, is basically what, what you're saying is that there's an, there's an onus on the founder and the most successful founders are the ones that can kind of embody in an Occam's razor kind of way to make it simple, but no more simple than it needs to be. And be able to communicate that, that that is a discipline that is very different from shouting, you know, we're going to change the world. Actually, what you're doing there and what Jason's doing there with that question is opening up different layers of of the audience so they will sort of envelop around that question and engage with it which enables him to do do better work more meaningful work more powerful work that's what i kind of hear you saying around that kind of script around that kind of question and i know a lot of your work you're striving people and even in yourself you know to driving people to that place you have a phrase for it don't you You have a phrase for that um that kind of question uh last time i was on pitch club you were testing it out i can't remember what it was called um was it what do you no, do no it was like maybe yeah. maybe it was like it was like a little thing that you tested out on yourself for for that that or, or maybe do you do you have a term for that kind of question like that that jason's question is there is it something you've um coined if not i suggest you do like it's like, <laughs> like what, what what is that what would you describe that as that question that type of question that elegance that simplicity with a lot of complexity 
I think, I mean, in general, so basically I'm dyslexic. So like I can deal with abstract complexity, but then like details just kind of jumble my brain. And I've always sort of, so a big thing, uh, and maybe this will help answer the question is like, I, on that simplicity tip is like, I love sketching because it is so visual and simple and direct. And when I, when I heard Jason talk about the quote, like the best sales question you can ask to discover a customer's pain point is to say, what's hard? And that's it, three words, boom. It's, 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 it's powerful, like just do it mm. from Nike. Like Nike doesn't care what color skin you have, what gender you are, what orientation you are, what sport you are. They just want you to get out of bed and just do it. And that is why it's such a powerful sort of slogan slash call to action. There's your um, advertising background and, and kicking in. You're in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got yeah, to put yeah. it back in the no, box. It's, it's interesting. The, I mean, that's what they would call it in advertising, um, like the call to action. That's a, so, I mean, maybe maybe there's a way of leveraging that into founder conversations and kind of like appropriating that yeah. idea because that is what they would call that, right? That he's that he's coined the call to action. There's you, and, 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 it's a, what motivates people and what motivates... what. So Jason's question motivates really candid answers on the problems. And, and so... Um, when I'm listening to pitches on events as a panelist, I'll hear people sort of talk about their problem. And what I'm imagining when they use a lot of long, complex, multi-syllable word sentences, is like I imagine this massive gallery space in like a converted old warehouse or something, big space. And then in the middle of this gallery space is a sculpture, but it's under a sheet and we can't see it. And it's not only under a sheet, but it also has one of those sort of nightclub ro red, lo red ropes creating a square around it. And we're kept at a distance from the artwork and we can't even see it. And that's what, I've, that's what I imagine when I listen to founders sort of say things like, we're here to disrupt through innovative processes, the da 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 And I'm like, I don't even know what this means. Like, I can't, I can't picture anything in yeah. my head. Whereas when Jason says, what's hard? I can tell you a hundred things that are hard in my life right now instantly because the question is so simple yet so uh, it, it's it's looking for a destination whereas these sort of long abstract technical jargon filled pitches that founders will often fall into just walk around the garden aimlessly not getting anywhere and that's what that's where I have this sort of art gallery image because I just I, I can see a, a silhouette, but I can't I can't appreciate the artwork. And I an investor is never going to get excited if they can only see a silhouette at a distance of your idea. They want to feel it in like eight seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, really quick. And you get that with simplicity. But the problem is getting to simplicity is not quick so I've, I've got a suggestion <laughs> so, for you i've got two var variables on on the suggestion you can pick, pick you can pick one or two yeah. or, or, or none at all so so maybe what we're saying is there's a shift from kind of the call to arms which is this big grandiose change the world you know that kind of script and it's often now lost on people and i think one again one of the reasons going back to kind of one of the bugs is because there's less and less of those you know 10 years ago if you were pitching uber it's it's mind-blowing right or 15 years ago or if you're pitching just eat or all those those things are diminishing there's not as many of those around you know to kind of say we're going to change transport or change food or so maybe we're moving from a call to action to a call to sorry call to arms to 
you would say call to action, but what about like a call to auction? So when so when 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 you ask a question that opens in that way, you're, the audience will actually volunteer themselves and engage and value it. So it's either so I'm, I'm, my suggestion is either it's like from a from a call to arms to a call to action, or from a call to arms to a call to auction, and you can reject both of those. But I just I do think there's an interesting transition in terms of what we're talking about. Yeah, I think call to auction makes a lot of sense at the commitment stage. Yeah, where you're like, who's in? Who who's really going to yeah. put their money where their mouth is? Who's going to commit in? You know. And then I would sort of, if we're going to race to the other end of that, which is like, say, the elevator pitch or getting people's attention, it's called a conversation. Right. Like, I, I don't, nobody wants to be spoken right. at. They want to be given a few nuggets of like, oh, where I want to contribute that and not just let the other person wait to be heard, but to be building something in verbally together where you're ultimately getting so like call to conversation, call to action, call to auction. Who's That's good. In, right? That's really Who's good. Put money in? Um, yeah, that you can have that. You that should, that's you should use, like that's really good. I really like that. And and the founders. <laughs> so what we're saying is, founders, the, the the new breed of founders need to understand that. Um, and 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 there's a dialing down of a call to arms into those into those those other that other framing just just so let's just move on so let's just talk about um before we get into specifics when when and how you started to kind of uh find your own path into this so your own programming into the space and when you started to feel like that actually was meaningful and you had like you know an early stage an mvp you know let's talk about that journey and then we'll get into the specifics of hitch club and anything else that you want to share yeah um so again it was sort of my transition out of advertising and i remember being a freelancer for one of the big big four ad agencies in beijing we spent like two weeks 20 people working on a pitch for a, a, to go and talk to a big car company and last you know the afternoon of the pitch midday lunchtime we're going and we see, we see the md of the office i mean why we only saw him once just before the end is mind-boggling but so we, we go in and we start the pitch and you can see his face turn from like, oh, what is this? Oh, this is this, is it? And then he stands up and he bangs the table and he's this big German guy and he's like, why am I looking at bread rolls? I'm like, what? He's like, why am I, I don't wanna look at bread and potato, I want the meat. And he was basically furious that the pitch was taking such a long time to get off the ground and there was nothing interesting in the first five, 10 minutes. And I remember just sitting there going, oh, okay. And luckily it wasn't my head on the block. Like I wasn't leading this project, but I was sort of like a wingman. So I was kind of like, oh, we, oh dear. Um, and then, and just loads of experiences where just sort of thinking everybody's wasting time and effort. And it's so expensive to get a high value spotlight moment together, like get the audience in the room at the right time with some content. That is really difficult. And then to get in just logistically, that's difficult. And then, you know, to go in and not pitch well. And it's not as if these people can't. And so that's what really sort of, and so I started building processes like um, I call the eight steps to showtime, which is how you go from a whiteboard to a really confident, intentional pitch. And then I've got the three beat mountain, which is a massive simplification of the three act play and the hero's journey. Yeah. And I, I, I sort of developed these visual frameworks and use them on a sort of case by case consulting basis. And now what we're sort of looking to do is through Pitch Club um, is take um, 
essentially, if anyone has scuba dived, there's the uh, the paddy program is how you scuba dive with the paddy program. And whether you're in the north of Scotland in a dry suit diving in 20, me- 20 centimeters of visibility, or you're in Bali in your swimming trunks and you're yeah. diving in 400 meters of visibility, you read the same book. But diving's specialities get incredibly niche, incredibly fast because of context and environment. And so we want with Pitch Club to become the paddy of pitching where one set of core criteria and uh, curriculum and assessment and learning can then get spliced off into infinite different pitch contexts. Because again, for a founder, if you're doing a three minute pitch, that's different to a 10 minute pitch. If you're doing your awareness pitch, that's different to your um, due diligence pitch. And the core learnings that keep you out of the danger zone are kind of the same, but it's being flexible with your understanding to adapt to that situation. And so we're in the moment if like, that's a lot of talk about what we're doing and then like why we're doing it is that every time a professional founder, anybody increases their value, it's because they're pitching and they just need a better handle so in that, on it. So in that way, your founder tech is is this paddy for pitching, is this systemized that you want to be global that takes the myth out of it, enables founders to behave in this way and you can scale it because there's this consistency, as you said, I've, I've done paddy uh, in, in different environments. I got the bends once for coming out way too quickly. And then I, and then I, right, I, okay. I got freaked out by what was down there. Um, but and it wasn't a good scene for about a week. Um, but that aside, um, that's essentially the, the founder tech, which is I think is re- really Im- important is that, you know, demystifying that why does every pitch have to feel like it's the first one? Well, it is in, in some ways, the, the, the paradox that you're addressing is that in some ways it is because it's that moment is 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 the only moment that you're stepping into at that time and it has to feel like that but the the substructure of that and how you've arrived at it and prepared for it doesn't have to be invented is, is what i hear you saying with pitch club and everything else you're doing 100 percent. you know there, there are so many pitches that i listen to at events and i and i the feedback i give is like that was a beautiful uh, video voiceover script that was amazing but it wasn't a live pitch it wasn't a performance where you're connecting one to many it was where you turned up and read a script and like YouTube has that covered like you do not need any more demonstrations of someone pitching a script because everywhere when you're in front of an audience on a call in real life, you have to be human and you have to be slightly vulnerable. It took me a long time to learn this. Um, and that's what makes pitching different. And the way you get there is by going up the mountain and down again. So you have to have gone through every single mistake before you get to a comfort level where you you just stride into it with intention. Um, so for example, I used to get super pitch club. When I first started going to pitch club as a guest, I used to get super nervous. Now that I host two pitch clubs a week, I literally just turn up three minutes before, click on, I don't feel any butterflies, but I am going through a very uh, consistent format. If we change that format in any way, I suddenly get them, like if anything goes slightly wrong, I get the wobbles and I'm like, ooh, and I have to go deep into my experience of 20 years of pitching to to sort of stabilize. And it's it's not that it's going to take everybody 20 years but the thing is you just have to start applying the logic in 
there, there's no sort of growth hacks for pitching apart from pitching. Like there's nothing that's going to make you better at pitching than just turning up to pitch and getting on with it, having a go before you're really ready and not thinking it has to be perfect. Well, before we finish, that's, that's an excellent place to, to, to wrap on. Give us, um, if you would share with us any of your personal APIs, any, um, any platforms, any books, any shows, anything, any podcasts that you recommend that you're currently kind of plugged into that you'd like to share with people and then tell us uh, where people can find you and engage in Pitch Club or anything you'd like to them to kind of be aware of. So if you can give us like any APIs first um, that are on, that, are on yeah. that you're plugged into, that'd be great. Um, so there's a fantastic book that I read called Ditch the Pitch and it's basically um, really opened my eyes to um, what do you do when you really want to be authentic? And how do you get this flexible um, proficiency and mastery? And it's got a lot of ideas of improv comedy and um, and also just talks a lot about the, the feelings of the audience. And one of the, the, the biggest takeaways from the book was like, um, try to shut up after about 35 seconds of talking. And I know that I haven't achieved that on this podcast. But in my head, whilst I've been answering, I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut <laughs> it's up. It's such a hard up. thing to do. Um, <laughs> but the, I think the first thing is sort of knowing that you have to, well, the first thing is realizing that you're talking too long. Then, then the voice goes off, shut up. And then you actually get yourself yeah. to shut up. And what I've noticed is when I do stop, the audience or the, or the person I'm speaking to has such a platform to, to take the conversation to the next level. And so I'm like, I'm really glad I shut up then. Um, so ditch the pitch i forget the author's name steven something and i'll share i'll share that yeah, to we'll, you we'll afterwards so you can go ahead. anything anything else one or two other things that, that are just quite i mean you've mentioned obviously the we crash and the um and the, yeah. and, the and the series of the, the um, theranos series on uh disney plus we crashes on apple um yeah. anything else that you'd like to share and then just quickly tell us where where people can find you yeah, so there's a there's a really uh, amazing person on LinkedIn called Josh Braun, who's actually the ex head of sales of Basecamp. And he talks about predominantly sales, but that has such a massive impact on startup world. Uh, he does talk a lot about sort of SDRs and sales reps and quarterly targets and stuff like that. But his content is as much to do with life as it is sales. And even though I'm in pitching and I'm like, this guy could be a pitch master in a second, but he's chosen the sales world, but he doesn't limit that to just cold calling or anything like that. He, he, he talks about it in a really holistic way. And so I would check out Josh Braun on LinkedIn. Absolutely amazing. And like talk about a content machine. It's like, it's like you blink and he's got like five more posts out and they're all super good. So I would give, um, really check out and Josh. Where can people find you? What's the best way to people to engage? How would you like to how would you like to be aware of what you're doing? Um, one hundred percent on LinkedIn. I mean, that's how yep. we connected. So when you posted the um, founder market fit, I was like, oh, I really like that twist. And then we started yep. our whole conversation that's led us here and beyond. Um, and LinkedIn is the only social platform Me I have too. any attention. Um, so connect and that's that's where we and can when's the talking. next pitch club oh well actually this, this is a relevant question because we won't be all to be gone but they're what every tuesdays and thursdays now it's every wednesdays and every thursdays so <clears throat> wednesday <clears throat> excuse me at 12 p.m gmt yep. so for people in the uk that's 1 p.m british yep. summer time 
for people all over the world. You check your time zones. So uh, we anchor it off GMT so we don't have to change the times in, in the year. So 12 o'clock GMT um, on Wednesdays and 5.30 p.m. GMT on Thursdays. So there's a... Uh, it was born in Asia, Pitch Club. So we've got the Wednesdays is for the Asian evening and the and the European lunchtime. And then Thursdays is for the European evening and the American. And, and let's finish with your call to auction for if you want to appear on Pitch Club, tell people where they, you know, like who it's for, how you apply, you know, just give give people that. So if the people are out there going, oh, that sounds interesting. Like, you know, it's a very, very easy, you make it very easy for people to kind of actually participate. So just, just share that call to auction and we'll finish on that. The call to auction is that we are the back alley comedy club for your pitch. So whether it's Kevin Hart, Jerry Seinfeld, any stadium filling comedian will always go to the tiniest, dingiest little comedy club to practice their material before they go into their big spotlight. Pitch club is that dingy little comedy club. Like we have everybody come and pitch. It doesn't matter your English level, your slides, your ability, your focus. We just want you to be in the spotlight to pitch. And our USP is our audience feedback. So everybody who pitches gets four rounds of feedback. So it's surveys, uh, conversations, videos to rewatch. And one of our fantastic uh, hero stories is that a Tusimi is a Ugandan child refugee who has possibly had one of the hardest upbringings anyone could have, like a war-torn country, displacement, massive loss in his family. And he's now growing into a young man who goes... Um, who has as a social entrepreneur and he wants to put Africa back to work because he sees Africa's solutions coming from Africans. Um, he comes to Pitch Club and he practices, he listens, he takes up every opportunity. He then goes to African startup events and he gets selected as one out of 200. Now, I'm not saying Pitch Club is the whole reason for his success, but I'm saying we're part of his success. So if you want to practice in front of an audience that's safe and constructive, before you go and talk to the people that really matter, then Pitch Club's the place. Well, that's an amazing story to finish on. Really interesting conversation, as I knew it would be. And um, yes, and uh, I will put all of those links, obviously, in the show notes. And yeah, that's it for now, I think. Absolutely magic. Thank you, Dan. This has been a really good conversation.